Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. Today, we'll be talking about yesterday's Thursday night game. I think best Thursday night game since week one, Lions and Chiefs. Yesterday, we got Seahawks-Cowboys, high-scoring game. Told you it was going to go over. That was a play right on that one. Great game. Then, I'm going to give you the rest of my week 13 picks. A lot of good games on this weekend, matchups I'm looking forward to. A lot of matchups that are teams in that playoff hunt, the playoff race, uh, around, you know, the seven spot, six, seven, or, you know, even on the outside looking in, eight, nine, ten. So a lot of meaningful matchups this week. Now that we're into December, uh, meaningful football every game, every week. Looking forward to that. And then finish off with college football. Championship weekend picks, predictions, thoughts on the final slate of games, what I think will be the final top four before it is unveiled to us on Sunday. So looking forward to all this. It's going to be a great sports weekend. It started off great yesterday with the game we'll get into first. That's Seattle and Dallas. Again, great Thursday night football game. I want to get this out of the way. Uh, I thought there were too many penalties uh, for both teams. Uh, 10 penalties for the Seahawks, 130 yards. 9 penalties for the Cowboys, 127 yards. Uh, you know, they said during the broadcast, these were the two most penalized teams. I thought there were a fair share, a uh, fair amount of good calls that I thought, but I thought some of them were the rest sort of over-officiating. I'm not going to get fined like players and coaches for saying that, but it's true. There was over-officiating uh, yesterday on the one drive. Cowboys kind of scored because of all the uh, Seattle uh, penalties. And then a lot of the drive, a couple of one drive for uh, Seattle was set up by, you know, pass interferences. So there was a lot of defensive penalties like that, not pre-snap motion movement, a lot of defensive contact holding uh, interference penalties. And I just thought, hey, a little bit of over-officiating. I think both teams can agree since it was – basically equal penalties in yards uh, right there. So I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, since it was even, it wasn't heavily split one team, you could acknowledge it on both sides, both teams heavily penalized. So yesterday I said this game was going to go over the 47 and a half, and I said Dallas might be close to doing it themselves. I was right, Dallas scored 41, but Seattle scored 35. I didn't think this game was going to be as close. I thought that I believe, nine-point spread. I thought it was going to be right around there. I was wrong. This game was a nip and tuck uh, back and forth. It was a great game. Right when I thought that, hey, uh, Seattle had a chance to, or Dallas was looking to put them away, Seattle answered back. Again, uh, just, I thought, a great offensive performance. It was 400 yards plus from both teams, evenly matched. Uh, You know, the passing department, Seattle did a better job at um, on the field, even though Dak was terrific. Uh, Dallas was able to use a run game a bit more. Dak scrambled. Tony Pollard had some rushes. You know, even some of the uh, jet sweeps, they kind of ran with C.D. Lamb and players I thought were good as well. Um, You know, you want to talk about some – Turning points, you know, there was one turnover in the game. Uh, didn't happen to be a costly turnover because because of the interception by Deron Bland. 
Cowboys go for it on fourth down uh, and don't get it. I believe it was a fourth and three, something like that, past the CD land. He dropped it. I didn't like the call because if you get the field goal uh, from that spot, they were going to go up 30 to 28. So it's 28 27 Cowboys. They take the field goal. It's 30 uh, 27. And when you look at that in hindsight, uh, I was not, I'm not looking in hindsight, but now when you look at it, it's like most people agree with it because then it forces, uh, Seattle when they score their next touchdown to go for two. Um, so then it's like, hey, they might not get it. So it'd be 34 30. You get your touchdown. It's 37, uh, 34. So then when you get, uh, my bad bit. So then when you kick, uh, It'd be 34-30. You kick the field goal to go up 34-33. Then when you get your touchdown, it's, hey, you're up by a touchdown. Then that field goal at the end is basically to ice the game. So you just have plays like that. Of course, it's give and take because of Dallas's fourth down. They didn't get it. Seattle had a couple bad ones. Uh, But one storyline from this game was Deron Bland. Uh, Going into this game, you know, November, defensive player of a month. Had a great uh, month, great year so far going into this game. He had the broken record last week, most pick sixes in a season. And then Deion Sanders was there at the game yesterday. Uh, So, you know, one of the the best corner of all time. You know, he's in attendance, Deron Bland, you know, primetime game coming off last week's nationally televised game. We're looking for him. Uh, to shut down a player, and he didn't shut down anybody. Deron Bland got cooked last night. <laughs> and it's funny because, again, I th- you know, you look at his stats and his advanced analytics. He was great. He's been one of the best corners this year. And some nights you have an off night, and that was last night. D.K. Metcalf got him early for a 73-yard touchdown. D.K. Metcalf got him again, I believe. Uh, in the first half alone, he was thrown at six times. He allowed 137 yards on five catches in the touchdown. So not a good start for Deron Bland. He did make the key play on Kyler Lockett, uh, getting the interception, which was that lone interception. So he did make a key play. Uh, but Deron Bland uh, got beat. And this Dallas defense got beat. I mean, one of the better units, so allowing 35 points and 400 yards is an off night. Uh, but Seattle was playing hard, knew they were desperate, still fighting for a playoff spot, because if the Rams win this week, they overtake the Seahawks. So again, there's a lot of storylines uh, going into this game. So that was one of the big factors uh, for Seattle. The second factor, uh, or the first factor for Dallas, you know, Deron Bland, Seattle targeting, did a good job. Second, Micah Parsons. Uh, I believe he had seven pressures last night. Uh I don't think he registered a sack, but he looked great uh, coming off the edge. And, he, you know, the last play, you look at it, it's a fourth and two, fourth and one, fourth and three for Seattle at around midfield. And you really don't know what the play call is because they don't execute it in time. It's uh, the offensive line shifts to the left to leave Micah Parsons on a block. So then you're hoping for the running back who is on the opposite side of Micah Parsons to react and run quick enough to cut him off and give uh, Gino the easy throw. However, 
they underestimated how fast Micah Parsons is because when he is on the block coming off the edge and he has the straight arrow of the quarterback, uh, he is there fast. He got there faster than DJ Dallas to come over. If you're going to do that, at least line DJ Dallas out uh, to, you know, help him up and then Geno can run the opposite side of Micah Parsons. But just a bad, uh, bad play design from Dallas or from Seattle. But I was encouraged from what I saw from Seattle considering how they've looked uh, the past few weeks. Um, sloppy, not good, you know, getting beat. Uh, I thought this was a good uh, return game from them. Uh, return to form game because, again, in Dallas, Dallas hasn't trailed at home this season, covered every home game this season, and Seattle broke both those. They, you know, had the lead for multiple times, and they did cover the, you know, nine, nine-and-a-half point spread um, from Dallas. So I thought Geno looked good, DK looked great, JSN looked good. I think the one Seattle player I didn't like uh, was Tyler Lockett, who had a big drop. Uh, the interception was on him as well, not fighting for the ball. So that would be my one uh, critique of the Seahawks' performance, who, other than that, you know, just played great. Got to tip my cap to them. And then on Dallas, it's just been Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, they look like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They really do. It's one of the top duos right now. Dak is playing at an MVP level. That was on display last night, but 299 yards, the three touchdowns, the QBR of 75, a pass rating of 115. C.D. Lamb, 12 catches, 116 yards and a touchdown. Again, these two are are playing fantastic football. Early, you know, last year, the year before, it was, oh, they're missing Amari Cooper. Now it's, no, they're not. C.D. Lamb and Dak, again, can't say enough for how good those two have been on the same rapport. Uh, Jake Ferguson, the tight end, losing Dalton Schultz. They're like, can it take a step back? Jake Ferguson looks better than that tight end. Brandon Cooks is finally making contributions. This offense, it's humming right now. This looks really good. If this defense can tighten up some of those screws, because the oil was leaking last night, the Cowboys team I picked to go to the Super Bowl, not win, but to go to, looks like there's a chance there. So great game. But let's get into the rest of Week 13. Let's start off with Indianapolis, Tennessee. Uh, so Indianapolis, 6-5, and five, still fighting for that playoff berth. Tennessee, 4-7. and seven. Haven't won, or, you know, coming off a win against the Panthers before that, you know, they lost uh, three in a row. Uh, I like the Titans to win this one. I think they bounce back. Indianapolis no longer has... Um, uh, Jonathan Taylor this week or next week. I think that's a big loss for them, for Gardner Minshew. I think Zach Boss is a great replacement considering he's been there uh, and in the beginning of the year with no Jonathan Taylor. He looked good. However, I think this is a game where you need that physical back. I think Derrick Henry is going to run having this game in Tennessee. I think will be effective. They're one-point underdogs. A lot of people like the favorites. There's a lot of favorites to win this week. But give me the Titans. Over the Colts this week. I like the underdog pick. Second, Chargers, New England. Uh, Chargers, five and a half point favorites. Uh, I think this one's going to be closer than expected because Justin Herbert hasn't beat New England. New England has held teams 
and good quarterbacks, you know, historically, um, you know, below their average. However, this New England team is the worst New England team of this century. It is. Since the 20th century, uh, you know, Tom Brady, Bledsoe, this is the worst. They're 2-9, and nine, just scored seven points against the Giants. Tommy DeVito won. If Justin Herbert and the Chargers can't win, fire Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert can move down my QB rankings. I don't know if I can defend Justin Herbert if he loses to Bailey Zappi this Sunday. I really can't. I really can't comprehend that. The memes would be insane, but I do think the Chargers are going to win this game. However, Keenan Allen is questionable, hasn't practiced at all this week. If he doesn't go, this game could get really ugly, just low scoring. Uh, New England could pull off the upset. I think it's unlikely. Uh, hopefully Justin Herbert slinging it to the rookie Quinton Johnston who just can't catch. But I like the Chargers to win. Scary spot because the Chargers haven't looked good all year. Detroit and New Orleans. Uh, Detroit hasn't lost back-to-back games since early last year of the season. I think that continues. Jared Goff is the uh, good quarterback, better quarterback in this matchup over Derek Carr. Numbers obviously are for that. Uh, and surprisingly, Detroit's been a better away team than road team. So going into this year, everybody was like, we need the two seed. They can't win on the road. However, they've looked better on the road than at home. Uh, against the, On the road, they beat the Chiefs. Uh, they went into Lambeau. One by double digits. They beat the Bucks on the road. Uh, the Chargers uh, put up their highest offensive total of the season. The only loss was to the Ravens. And again, we've seen with the Ravens this year, NFC teams coming there and you get blown out. And um, at home, surprisingly, they haven't looked as good. Where last year was dominant at home and then they finally picked it up at the road. This year, it's they've lost to the Seahawks at home. They just lost to the Packers. They struggled against the Bears. Uh, you know, they beat the Raiders, you know, Panthers and Falcons, and that's it. I mean, road team Jared Goff is road favorites undefeated this year. Uh, this is a good, uh, Lions team on the road in Derek Carr and the Saints at home, which usually the hostile environment hasn't been very good. I like the Lions to win on Sunday. Atlanta and the Jets. This is one I'm going back and forth on. Don't like this game. At all. It's, you know, for the Falcons, you know, Desmond Ritter is 1-5 on the on the road this year. 1-5. Don't like that number. Number is not impressive. He hasn't looked great. He's not a franchise guy. Jets still going with Tim Boyle. However, I'm rolling with the Jets as an underdog because Aaron Rodgers is recovering. Uh, he's practicing. I think that sparks the team that, hey, there's a chance he could come in if we make the playoffs. What did they have to do for him to return and have a playoff hope aspiration? They have to win this game on Sunday. They lose, they're eliminated. Uh, I know the E won't officially be next to their name, but for all intents and purposes, they will be eliminated considering without Aaron Rodgers, he'll still have to play against the uh, Texans and probably the Dolphins. So yeah, it won't look very good for Aaron Rodgers to come back at that point. The season will be lost. I think they keep hope alive, keep Robert Sala off the hot seat, which I don't think should be that hot for another week. I think the Jets' underdog win this weekend. Arizona-Pittsburgh. So this one, a lot of people heavily on Pittsburgh, 
and I think they can, you know, look great without me at Canada last week, Arizona struggling. This one is in Pittsburgh, Arizona, not a great offensive line. TJ Watt absolutely balling out this season. I think Pittsburgh gets the win, continues the streak, even though I do have questions about their wide receiver and, you know, wide receivers plural in kind of the effort that they show on every play. Uh, but I like Pittsburgh to win this game. Carolina-Tampa Bay. Another odd one here. I'm probably going to pick Tampa, but I think Carolina is actually going to cover. Why? What have we seen this year? When coaches get fired, uh, you know, the team kind of rallies around and they play well and they win. See the Raiders, fire Josh McDaniels. You know, they look really good. Uh, team sort of changed. And, hey, let's win some games. Let's play competitive. Let's play more free. Uh, that is what happened. Uh, with them. So this being the second firing and just historically seeing that, I think Carolina is going to come out, uh, you know, blazing, calling some big plays offensively, uh, helping out, uh, you know, Bryce Young as much as they can. But again, I don't think it's enough because the Bucks, even though they've lost five or six, they're still one game out of the division. This is a bigger game for them than it is Carolina. Miami-Washington. So the story here is Miami beats not-so-good teams. That's going to continue this week, and I don't see that uh, not continuing. I think Tua, Tyreek, that's too much. Raheem Mostert, you know, this Washington defense is not good. They pass run all over it. I think Sam Howell can still continue his yard streak and his good yards. If he could just limit those interceptions, his team would be a lot different. And, again, their defense as well. It's not all Sam Howell's interceptions. Denver and Houston. So Denver is rocking the, um, I think, you know, five-game, six-game. Uh, I think it's five-game. They're rocking the five-game win streak. Uh, and they're playing Houston, who just lost to the Jags. So both teams are six and five. Uh, returning to form, Russell Wilson, this Broncos team, they're well, well coached. Houston is a favorite, hasn't voted too well for them. I like Denver to continue their winning streak to win six in a row. Uh, you know, if this was any other team, we'd be talking about it a lot more. Denver's still sl- flying under the radar. Still not a lot of talk about Denver unless it's a nationally televised game. But I think Denver has, fa- has really found it out offensively with Russell Wilson, uh, Cortland Sutton, his go-to guy. Uh, quick, short passes, a little more explosiveness from Russ, and the defense playing a lot better. Uh, Pat Sertan, best corner. Justin Simmons, one of the best safeties. McMillan in the slot. Uh, with Houston, injuries, Tank Dell might not suit up. I like Denver to continue and win their six in a row against Houston. Cleveland and the Rams. So Rams, heavy favorite. Kind of like everybody's picking the Rams. I'm going with the Rams. I don't see a time in Cleveland uh, with them winning whether, you know, who's a quarterback. Um, DRT, questionable. Is he going to go with his concussion? They signed Joe Flacco. If Joe Flacco plays, he's won one game in his past 10 and like three out of his past 20. He's just not that guy. It's in L.A. The Rams are rolling. They win this game. They have a playoff spot. Not a lot of people thought that would happen except me early in the season when I thought, hey, this Rams team, they can make some noise. Uh, Miles Garrett might also not be playing. You factor that in. I think the Rams get the win this weekend. A little scary because so many people are on the Rams this week. 
uh, but I like the Rams. Another one I'm scared about picking, Niners-Eagles. So 49ers are three-point favorites. So the thing is, everybody's healthy except Tufanga. So if Trent Williams, all those guys are playing, I like San Francisco to win. Lane Johnson doesn't play. I think this is a big one considering the Chase Young-Nick Bosa uh, dynamic. And I think this is just going to be a fantastic matchup between two equally matched teams. And I know, you know, for San Francisco, they're viewing it as a revenge game. Yes, it can go a long way in determining seeding and your playoffs, all that. But I do believe these two teams uh, might see each other again um, in the playoffs. Uh, That remains to be seen. Uh, depending on how it all shakes out. Again, with this win, there's just so much on the line. But I do think San Francisco is going to come into this one healthier, not coming off, you know, you know, just a regular rest with, you know, an overtime game. San Francisco on the 10-day rest because of the Thanksgiving game. I, I think San Francisco is going to win because they're going to out-scheme uh, Philadelphia this week. And I think it's going to be a great game. Jalen Hurts is clutch. I'm going San Francisco, however, I'm afraid because – Again, like everybody's saying, San Francisco is a way favorites, and kind of everybody is picking San Francisco this weekend. Uh, Philadelphia is the underdog, historically great in that role. I could definitely see Philadelphia pulling off the upset right now and picking San Francisco, but this is probably the game I feel the least confident about. And then Chiefs Packers. Chiefs Packers, Chiefs six-point favorites. I could see the uh, Packers... Uh, keeping a close first half offensively, Jordan Love is looking a lot better, you know, with Christian Watson and the weapons they have. But Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, it's too much in this spot at Lambeau. Uh, historically great venue, two historically great teams going at it. Uh, old school matchup, I think, in coming. Cold weather, Kansas City wins, you know, 27-20, 28-21, uh, something like that, 28-20, uh, and gets a win. Uh, pretty convincingly, but I do think Jordan Love makes some plays and keeps some plays to, you know, keep it entertaining for a Sunday night game. So that's NFL picks. Now let's go to college football. Let's switch gears here uh, to college. So really looking forward to college football this week, all the games. So the games actually start tonight. So the first game Conference USA Championship, New Mexico State and Liberty. So, again, I think this is going to be closer than people are expecting. Liberty is a 10-point favorite. You know, money is on Liberty. However, the thing that's interesting to me is Liberty, again, is undefeated. Uh, They're a very good team. They've already beat New Mexico State 33-17 in September. But this is a different New Mexico State team. Why? They started 2-3. and However, they have looked very dominant. They just beat Auburn 31-10 to a couple weeks ago. Uh, that is better than any win that Liberty has this season. So I think that win uh, right there for New Mexico State really propels them and says, hey, we can beat the Liberty in a weekend where mostly the favorites win. There's always a couple upsets. Uh, I'm picking New Mexico State to cover and win outright in this game. The safer bet would be just New Mexico State covering, uh, but I do like them as the underdog to win. Then the primetime matchup tonight. That's a warm-up primetime. 
Oregon, Washington. I'm going Oregon. Uh, a lot of people going Oregon in here. It feels like everyone's going Oregon. And it just, to me, makes sense uh, to go Oregon here because when you look at where these two teams have been um, since the, you know, loss um, to each other, uh, to me it just seems like, hey, uh, Oregon has accepted that loss a lot better. Uh, They have really peaked since then, if you can say. And Washington has sort of slipped um, in that time frame. It's, you know, Penix QBR went from 92 in the first six games. Since then, 71. Completion percentage, 72, 59. Uh, Touchdown interception rate, 1.4 up to 2.4. So uh, I just think Oregon has played better. Again, a couple calls away from winning that game, you know, from Dan Lanning. I think Oregon makes the corrections and they win tonight. Then tomorrow, Oklahoma State, Texas, Big 12 championship. Uh, I like Texas to win this one. I do think Oklahoma State's going to keep it close. I believe the line's at 15 and a half. I think Oklahoma State, who already beat Oklahoma, is going to be on a mission to beat Texas this week. However, I think Texas defensively too good, and Quinn Ewers is back healthy and peaking like he was beginning of the season. I like Texas to say, hey, oh, is there a spot we could get in, in the top four? MAC championship. I like Toledo to beat Miami. I think Toledo should be ranked. I think they get the win here and will be ranked. I think they are a good team. Boise State and UNLV. MWC champion or Mountain West Championship, MWC Conference. So this one's funny to me uh, because, you know, early in the year, Michigan beat UNLV pretty handily, uh, like 35 6 or something like that. Everybody's picking on UNLV. Such a bad team. And here's UNLV, 9-3, and three, and Michigan could have beaten a group of five team that holds a their championship when no other team has done that. I did Auburn beat a UNLV or Boise State or Georgia, Ohio State, Texas beat, you know, a Toledo, a UNLV. No. So, again, a lot of hate beginning of the season, but here we go. UNLV could have 10 wins and look like a good win on Michigan's resume. So let's get out of here. SEC Championship, Georgia-Bama. Game day's here, biggest game. So much of the chaos really starts here with Georgia-Alabama. Alabama can upset uh, Georgia. Some money coming in on Alabama lately, but I do think Georgia gets a win. I think both teams are good defensively, but offensively, who's the difference? I believe Jalen Milrose is a better athlete, but I believe Carson Beck's a better pro-style thrower, can make the reads against the secondary here. Georgia gets a win, and I think it's going to be a great game, but Kirby Smart can make the adjustments, get his team prepped, and they just look like the better coach team uh, than uh, Alabama does. And when Georgia needs to get up for certain games, they do. When you see the Ole Miss, the Tennessees, it's like, we're not screwing around. We are winning these games handily, whereas Alabama, trouble with, um, you know, Auburn last week. They had trouble with USF. They got dominated by Texas. They don't have a great win. I don't think they're elite this year. AAC, American Athletic Championship, SMU Tulane. I believe Tulane wins this back-to-back years. I think Tulane's a good program, should have beat 
uh, Ole Miss earlier in the season and have an undefeated season. But I think Tulane's very good. They win tomorrow. Then the Sun Belt. James Madison should be playing in this, but it's neither here nor there. So it's Appalachian State and Troy. Give me Appalachian State, the underdog Appalachian State, who are playing better. They beat James Madison. I like them to beat Troy tomorrow. The Big Ten Championship. Michigan, Iowa. I'm going Michigan here. Biggest favorite of the week. I think it's deserving as well. And I think it's funny. Uh, so Cade McNamara, former Michigan quarterback on Iowa now, got injured. Says he knows so much about the other team. He said, I quote, he's on a podcast, I quote, I think this weekend specifically, I'm not just getting Deacon ready, who's the quarterback. I'm getting the entire team as much as I can because I know so much about that other team. From a defensive standpoint, from an offensive standpoint, I'm just doing everything I possibly can from an entire team standpoint to let these guys know everything that I possibly know. So here's the difference. So being the huge Michigan fan that I am. So uh, that is an interesting take from him that he knows so much. So here's the thing. So a couple things are different offensively. So offensively, when Cade was there, it ran through Hassan Haskins and then Cade. Uh, McNamara. So now the offense is run through J.J. McCarthy. It's been more 50-50. Blake Horm, Donovan Edwards. What else is different? The offensive coordinators are different. Uh, Josh Gaddis was a coordinator with Cade. Now the coordinator, Sharon Moore. That's different. Last year it was split coordinators too. It was Sharon Moore and Matt Wee. So it is a different, tiny different style as well. Uh, defensively, first year when Cade was starting, he had uh, going up against Mike McDonald, Rets on defense last year with Jesse Mentor, and I think this defense is even better. So I don't know what Cade can do to possibly get the team ready. And the other thing is, JJ's just a better quarterback than Cade. I love Cade, and I, again, I think Cade, um, you know, I respect Cade a lot because he is a quarterback that was on that. 11 and 1 Michigan team, the team that won the Big Ten was 12 and 1 and then ultimately lost to Georgia 12 and 2. Uh, but, you know, I think Cade's a great guy and was the quarterback that engineered, uh, you know, this resurgence of Michigan. It was him offensively, I thought, him and Hassan Haskins, and defensively, Ada Hutchinson and David Ajabo. But they, they're beating Iowa. Let's get real. Then the ACC championship. Crazy Louisville, Florida State, another one with big implications. I think Florida State's going to win. I just think their coach, Mike Norvell, too good of a coach. Their defense is too good. Maybe if Louisville beat Kentucky last week, I would have been like, hey, this team has a chance, but they lost to Kentucky, who's not a good team. It's like, hey, Florida State's going to pick up their win and press a resume uh, tomorrow. So there you have it. Those are my picks for the college football playoff. So if my picks go through, my top four would be, and I think the committee's top four will be the same, Georgia one, undefeated SEC champion. Number two, Michigan, undefeated Big Ten champion. Number three, Florida State, undefeated ACC champion. And then four would be Oregon, uh, undefeated Pac-12 champion. Now, they would have them in because Oregon was the highest one last team so far. Personally, I would like Texas in there because they beat Bama. They're a good team. I think they line up with Georgia, and I think they have the better resume. However, uh, that's not the case. So 
we'll see. So yesterday, I said this on my podcast yesterday, um, you know, you know, comparing resumes. So, you know, if you want to choose the four best teams based off resumes, it's funny. The four best teams would be Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Georgia. So with the three teams that are all undefeated win, that's how it would be. So to me, it's funny that everybody's talking about Florida State, Michigan's resume, where, hey, they have the four best resumes this year. Of course, it'll change tonight and tomorrow, but it's like, hey, the committee's going to get it right. It's I know you don't want to see Florida State with the backup quarter back in Tate Rodemaker, but come on, uh, let's get real. Uh, I think the likeliest scenario is either the favorites win, so it's either the Washington, Oregon tonight, and then the Florida State, uh, Michigan, Georgia tomorrow. I think the only way there's chaos is, you know, tonight won't cause chaos, but tomorrow if Texas loses in that early slot to Oklahoma State, then I think we're due for some chaos. I think Alabama could keep a closer win, and if Texas loses, give me Louisville tomorrow. I mean, once chaos happens, chaos it happens, happens. It's not just one thing. It's it's everywhere. So it could really shake up, and Ohio State can make the playoff come Sunday. So we'll see. Uh, looking forward to the college football tonight, tomorrow, NFL, the rankings, CFP, Final Four, all that. It's going to be a great weekend. I hope you all have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.